Tapes and Scouts, a podcast where two friends review every single movie they watch. Hola, mi amigo. Hola. That's about it. Hola. Hola, mi amigo. Hola. Hola, mi amigo. ¿Dónde está la biblioteca? Sí. ¿Dónde es de baño? Hola. Hola, mi amigo. <laughs> well, now that we've lost all of our Spanish listeners. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It had to happen eventually. What up, Spain? Spain, Latin America. Latin America. What's up, Brazil? Brazil, Brazil. what are you doing? They're Portuguese. is the official language of Brazil. I just... Yeah, now they're gone, uh, too. Damn, damn it, Tim. Damn, I was just, I just really wanted... I was curious. Brazil is great. Yeah, Brazil. I know an alarming amount of about Brazil because I've had to do several reports in high school. For some reason, I always like it wasn't like my choice because you like Blanca. It was just like Brazil. Yeah, from Brazil. There it is. <laughs> just tap a a whole bunch and electrocute everybody. That's what you do. Yeah. Oh, he's just flicking his hand around. What's he doing? Yeah. Yep. Anyways, uh, sorry to Brazil. everyone. Hola, mi amigo. Oh, let's do it again, right? <laughs> no. Oh. Well, let's Don't talk. That. <laughs> let's talk about movies. You want it first? Yep. Do it. The year 2000. In the year 2000. I knew you'd be excited for that. Always. Uh, <laughs> Freddy versus Jason. Ah, yes. Okay. Watch this in May 2020. It is one hour and 38 minutes. Same. It is an action slash horror film, which I think is a reasonable approximation. Slash. Directed by Ronnie Yu, starring Monica Kina, Jason Ritter, and Robert England. Ah, yes. IMDb movie summary. Freddy and Jason return to terrorize the teenage population, except this time they're out to get each other, too. Ooh. My thoughts on this movie is England's good, and Kurzinger, who plays Jason for this film and only this film, is not great. He's fine, but he's not great. He's not He's not Kane Hodder. I understand Kane wasn't tall enough, but it, Kane was just so physically imposing in the, the ones he was in. I he agree. Was, so good, and I think that Kersinger is just kind of medium. Um, the direction is a lot of fun and very over the top. Ronnie Yu, obviously, you know, what I mean, kind of high energy, a lot of action elements to the thing, which works for the. I mean, it's not exactly scary a lot of the time. Like even the blacks aren't really black in this movie. Like they're sure. just kind of like dark grays. Like the pal, the color palette's not like the either of these movies at some of their darkest. But the cast is horrendous in this movie. Like, <laughs> outside of Ritter and Kina, I think, uh, in England, the ones I named, uh, Kelly Rowland is cringeworthy in this movie. Uh, the guy who is definitely somehow not Jason Mewes is horrible. Like, every character feels like a caricature. It doesn't mm. feel like a real character. Even the mains don't really feel like they have much of a character development. Um, it's just not stellar in terms of the writing for the characters they just feel like you're ready like they just feel like you're lining them up to watch freddy and jason knock them down Eh, like not really my cup of tea but it's like fine but there's some some like cringy stuff some of the set pieces are kind of cool but like they're not anything to write home about there's some tense moments but again i think this kind of gets buried under the weight of its inadequacy more than it gets praised by me for its successes which there are some and i think some people probably would rank this higher but not me not me. It had a soundtrack that had a couple cool songs. Yeah. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Uh, Kill Switch Engage was on there. There you go. I like that. IMDb, 5.7 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes Critics, 162 critics, 41%. Okay. Audience score, 393,841 people gave it 50%. 
I'm kind of ish in the middle there with a 4.5 out of 10. Not quite enough to keep me coming back for more. I just remember a little bit about this movie. I remember, like you said, the grays, and I'm like, I remember like a lot of blues and grays. Yeah, and just, like it had weirder feel. Yep, we want to go dark, dark blue, gray, and we don't want to go black. And it's just like it just it was so it was like super stylized and polished. It just didn't quite didn't land. No, it was trying to polish a turd. Well, I have a movie. Please tell me about it. It's uh, it's a weird one. Okay, I like weird. It's weird. It's Tetsuo the Bullet Man. Hmm. Tetsuo the Bullet Man is from 2009. Okay. It is a trilogy of movies. From Tetsuo the Iron Man is one of them. Correct. That is the first one from 1989. That movie is fucked up. Yes. And then the second one was Tetsuo Body Hammer in 92. I've never seen that one. I I just was flicking through. I thought this was one of those early ones because I remember seeing this advertised on like anime. You'd run anime. It would yes. be part of there. I guess it was the same production company or whatever. You would see that on there. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, this is that thing I never watched. Let's watch it. And then I realized quickly, I'm like, this looks too new. And I was yeah. like, oh, wait, this is part of it, but it's it's the new one. Okay. No big deal. I still watched it. I watched it on October 20th. Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> IMDb minutes, one hour, 11 minutes. Mm -hmm. Action horror sci-fi, directed by Shinya Tsukamoto. You really do this to yourself. I know. Well, he spelled his name weird. And then you had to write it down. Yeah. Starring Eric, Eric Bosick. Akiko Mono and Yukio Nakamura. Okay. Your IMDb summary. Losing his son Tom in a hit and run triggers violent emotions in Anthony, whose body begins to transform. When the driver who killed Tom reappears, Anthony mutates into a mass of metal, a human weapon fueled by an uncontrollable rage. It's kind of neat. It is. It's kind of neat. Uh, bullet points series of movies, like I just mentioned, Tetsuo Iron Man was 89, Tetsuo Body Hammer 92. Would love to see the others. Likely their practical effects are really cool. This one is a CGI fest, but it's not that bad. Okay. Uh, it's not like the greatest CG you'll ever see. It's lower budget. I think most of the budget probably went into the CG, the CGI. Yeah. Uh, weird mix of drama and horror. Might creep out younger viewers. It's dark. Yep. And it probably works slightly better as a series of shorts, I would say, because this just doesn't need to be a movie is how I feel. Okay. And I think if they were all like episodic and you put the three together, it would probably fit. I mean, like I said, I haven't watched the other two, but just if they're like this one, it, there's a lot you could trim. Really creepy movie, though. The, the guy, his son, when his son gets run over, that's when you know this movie just has a different tone because they're walking home. They're entering like a tunnel area. There's plenty of room for them and cars. And you see a car just slowly veering towards his son. And his mm. son's excited. He was, like, starting to run through the tunnel. And he gets away from him and gets ahead of him. And he's like, you need to stop. You need to stop. And the car just decimates this kid. Oof. And the dad loses it. And he kind of... That's when you first get the creature effects. Yeah. You don't see the initial transformation, so to speak. But you see the car get jacked up. Oh, neat. And then there's the plot... And this isn't giving away too much you won't figure out right away. The plot is the man driving the car killed the kid on purpose, wants him to become the bullet man or whatever. Oh, neat. And he is antagonizing him for the rest of the movie. And oh, it wow. is weird. Huh. But a good weird. Yeah. Very interesting movie. Uh, just very strange. I would watch the other ones, but I wouldn't expect great, amazing things from them. The first one's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you watched it. Yeah, this is just, it's so strange. It's something I think you could watch. I, I think it's, you want to watch something different, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. 
this is definitely that different cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Hola, mi amigo. Just kidding. IMDb <laughs> score 5.6. Just want everybody to think they skipped back. Yeah. Uh, Rotten Tomato Critics didn't do it. Mm. The audience, 379 people, gave it 39%. Okay. I give it a 5.5. I've been in line with IMDb yeah, a you have. lot lately. I hit that streak a little while ago where it's just like, damn, everything is IMDb. Yeah, there's within 0.5 of basically whatever they say. But no, this is a cool movie. It's it's some, It's not even that long, so check it out. Nice. Tim? Yes. This movie is the end of my Nightmare on Elm streak. Oh, you did it! I did. Ending the streak. Ending the streak with 1994's A New Nightmare. A New Nightmare. Watch this in May of 2020. It is one hour and 54 minutes, and it's a horror film. It's directed by the fantastic, the enduring... Wes Craven. Ah, he's so dreamy, that guy. You know, Tito was a tough passing for me, because I just, he wasn't old enough that he couldn't have, I mean, he was still doing things and could have kept going. Yep. I mean, hell, Roger Corman's still making things. That's true. So if you're a million years old, like we talked about way back with uh, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks, yeah. Starring Miko Hughes, Tracy Minendorf, and basically the entire cast from Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Movie summary. A demonic force has chosen to use Freddy as its portal to the real world. Can Heather Langenkamp play the part of Nancy one last time and trap the evil that's trying to enter our world? Um, this movie is awesome. It's such a cool idea for a sequel to just be like, I, they have made a hundred thousand different weird rules for Freddy. They have done everything to Freddy possible, so fuck it, I'm just making them all movies. Nice. It's so smart. It's so interesting. It's so well handled across the board. I think Langenkamp comes back and does a great job. I think that Hughes does a really good job. He was kind of the it kid. He was in Full House. He was in a bunch of different things. If you see him in the movie, you're like, oh, I know that fucking kid. <laughs> it's just so good. I think his ability to make it very subtle and in the real world harkens way back to Nightmare on Elm Street without being too, like... It became almost like pop culture reference the later nightmares, more so than they were like a slice of like life for a, a teenager. Right. This it feels like a slice of life for Nancy or Heather, however you want right. to chalk that up. Um, feels really good. I think the tie-in feels really great. He took a lot of cues from things that actually happened to Heather Langenkamp, like actually having a real stalker and having to like move and get over that trauma and everything. He put that into the movie. I think very effectively. There's a lot going on here that works really, really well. And then to ramp it up into the third act and just make it like a full-on gothic horror film, I think was great. The redesign of Freddy was pretty cool. I liked him with the trench coat and everything and the more streamlined design because he wasn't wasn't quite Freddy, but like a demon trying to portray what Freddy would look like. So it's a cool concept. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it kind of, at the time, left audiences a little cold because they weren't expecting it. But I think if you watch it, I think it really is a love letter to the original. And it has little tie-ins for some of the others as well, which I think is really cool. Yeah, Craven good. So good. And this was such a smart movie. IMDb gives us a 6.5 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes critics, 78%, 41 critics. The audience, 63,824, gave the 66%. I give this an 8 out of 10. This is part of your trilogy? It's part of the three. Yeah. So if you're smart, you'll know my top three in the Nightmare on Elm Streak. Streak. And if you want to hear me talk about them, I will do a mini-sode. Just hit us up. And I'll talk about all of them, and I won't repeat myself. Whoa. That's how much I've watched these fucking movies in my lifetime. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hola, mi amigo. Oh, boy. 
You can tell we're getting. Uh, I, I'm very low on movies here. Okay. Because I watched this the day it came out. I think it was the 24th of October. I'm Holy not sure. Shit. But uh, Borat. Ah, <laughs> subsequent Borat. movie film. Uh huh. 2020. I watched it. Like I said, IMDb minutes one hour 35. Genre comedy. Uh, directed by Jason Wolliner. Did you see this movie? I have still not seen the first Borat. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to see the first one to watch okay. this one. I, I know I know it from everybody doing the voice, and I know that right. the premise isn't hard to follow. Right. I, the original Borat I enjoyed. I haven't watched it in a while, but that was like a bunch of like, oh my God, can you do these things? Can you get away with these things? Where this one is way different, and uh, this is all political-based. This is him, you know, filming during the COVID-19 pandemic. Wild stuff. Yeah, I've heard some stuff about it. It's awesome. It's awesome that he did this, whether you feel one way or the other. It's very, it leans very democratic. It is insane, some of the stuff that he gets to happen in this movie. And um, just wild. Uh, Starring Sasha Baron Cohen, Maria Baklova, and Tom Hanks. Hmm. Those are the three people. (laughs) A follow-up film to the 2006 comedy centering on the real-life adventures of a fictional Kazakh television journalist named Borat. (sighs) They kept it very simple there. Bullet points, watch it the day it came out. I love Sasha Baron Cohen's creativity. He's so weird. He sure is. (laughs) Um, I enjoyed Borat more than Ali G or Bruno or his other stuff. Ali G was pretty good. It was good, but I enjoy Borat more. That's fair. Bakalova is fantastic. She is super good. She plays his daughter in the movie. Okay. Uh, and Cohen shares the stage really well with her. And you could tell he was like kind of watching her back. It definitely felt like a parent. He actually felt paternal with her. That's cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah. And she was good. I mean, I don't know how old she is. She's, you know, she's playing a 15 year old girl in the movie, sure. but she's probably like a little 20-ish, older, yeah. 20 ish or something. Really good. Uh, it makes me feel both happy and sad to America's current state, mm. leaning more towards sad. <laughs> Laugh so you don't cry. And, of course, Rudy Giuliani will likely win the Razzie for Worst Supporting Actor this year. Ooh, look so, forward to that. Yeah, uh, if you have somehow avoided what Rudy Giuliani does in this movie, uh, good on you. It's wild, and I can't believe pretty much anything. Okay. I can't believe anything anymore. Fair enough. Um, the, the shit that Cohen gets people to do, he ends up going to very uh, right-wing rallies and, you know, getting people to Nazi salute and sing along to a song he's making up about, like, he is just really doing wild shit and the people huh. are eating it up. That's really interesting. Yep. Uh, the thing I love that he did, because Borat... Everybody knows Borat. Yeah. If you see him in the streets, how's he going to do it? The first thing he does, he comes to America. He gets pardoned from his country mm-hmm. to come back to America, and everybody recognizes him. So he just walks around as Borat. Yeah. And people are like, oh, shit, it's Borat. And he, like, he tries to like disguise himself, and they still know it's him. And he's like, ah, I got to figure it out. So he goes to like a spirit Halloween store and buys all these weird get-ups. Okay. And he wears them the rest of the movie, so people don't know it's him. Yeah. It's pretty great. That's pretty funny. They actually surprised me with the ending. Because they actually, t- there's a, you're just like, this is weird shit, weird shit, weird shit. They tie it all together at the end, and I didn't think they could. Not all of it. Right. Um, it's a very polarizing movie, but it's an impressive movie that he was able to do all of this, especially during the pandemic. Yeah. And make it so topical. It's wild. Yeah. It's, it's just, you got to watch it. You got to, you got to watch it so you can feel a way about it, is how I feel. What do you think? Like, how do you feel about the movie? The fact that it's so topical to 2020. How do you think we'll look at this movie in like 10 years from now? Like, do you think it's worth making a movie like that that's so aimed at one point in time? I guess maybe because it's such an iconic point in time. So, 
this movie does something big, mm-hmm. really big by its end. Okay. Uh, like I said, if you somehow avoided all the spoilers on what ends up happening in this movie, I think it's such a huge part of our our history now. It's like this thing did something huge. Yeah. It changed things. Yep. It wasn't. It could have just been some popcorn flick that we watch. It actually did something. It actually accomplished something beyond just being a good or bad movie. Mm-hmm. So I think in that respect, it will always be kind of remembered. Nice. And I think it should be. It did do a thing. He did a thing. I like it. Never forget that time he did a thing. Did a thing. Did a thing. Oh, wait. You still have one. No. You don't have one. No. You oh. didn't give us scores yet, though. Oh, no? I'm just ready to end this thing. Hola, mi amigo. <laughs> IMDb. Adios. <laughs> I... <laughs> IMDB 6.9. Nice. Nice. Very yeah, nice. There it is. Yep. Uh, Rotten Tomato Critics 86% out of 247. I wonder if these numbers have changed because, like I said, I watched this right away. Immediately. Yeah. I actually had, I just was flipping and I was like, oh, that's out. I didn't realize it was like the first couple seconds it was on TV. That's awesome. Uh, Rotten Tomato Audience 70% out of 1,698 people. I gave it a 7. It's Solid. good. It's really solid. You should watch it, whether you feel more left-wing, more right-wing, something else altogether. Just as a piece of cinema, you should should digest it at some point. Nice. Nice. Hola, mi amigo. 